Let's get going. Wrestled with what to talk about today a lot and felt like I was supposed to continue on with what we did about six, seven years ago when we did a conference here. Some of you may have been here. Um, and so, but it, it came out of that this is January 1st. And, oh, December, try December. What, the first thing to go. I can't talk. So, I want to talk about the word becoming flesh today. All right? So, I don't know if you, there we go. I don't know if you think it's good. I think it's really good in honor of the email that the Lord wrote to us called Scripture, right? Right? I think that's really worth standing for and honoring. Do you think that? Let's stand together, okay? Let me read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He is Jesus. Right? So Jesus was in the beginning. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without This Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. Creation is enough to resolutely, determinedly walk by faith and in absolute allegiance to the king of the universe. Creation in and of itself is sufficient. In Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize Jesus. Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. If you're in Christ, you have a second birth. You are born of God. It's unbelievable. It's shocking. We're going to talk about the extent of that today. Sorry, my clicker isn't working. Help me go ahead and forward it. Let's all read this. You know it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Uh, I'm going to have to just point to him. It's not working. I'm sorry. There, oh, there we go. Hmm. It's bouncing on me. Sorry. So you may be seated. So, Lord, one more time, we talk directly to you. We want to talk to you and listen to you all the time because you're always with us. We're born from above. The living God indwells us. You're always with us. And so, one more time right now, we very intentionally say, you have something we need to hear today. And we thank you. Thank you for helping us. <clears throat> Apologize for this. Can you get used to it? This is not normal. It's just a little disease I picked up. You've never had it, but I get it once in a while. I want to talk about the word becoming flesh. It's unbelievable. It's unimaginable. The word, Jesus, we all agree? The word? Okay. <clears throat> Actually, though, in, in the Greek... The word is, means the idea or the, the truth or the concept, the immaterial idea. Uh, have you ever had an idea? Anybody ever had an idea here? You, you've had them. You've, you know, you, you think. All the, you have, how many have thoughts? We all have thoughts. Okay. Could you... Could, if, could you do surgery on your brain? I guess we think in our brain. Could you do surgery on your brain and, and, and take out your thought, grab a hold of it, put it on a scale, and weigh it, and tell me how much your thought weighs? No. It's immaterial. It, it's, it's, you, it doesn't have weight. It doesn't have body. It's immaterial. It's quite interesting in our culture, we use the word immaterial. Do you know what the word immaterial means to us? It means it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't count. It doesn't matter. Do your thoughts matter? Actually, let me ask, is because you can't weigh your thoughts, you can't see them, you can't take a picture of them, could it be said, therefore, that they do not exist and are not real? No. They're quite real, aren't they? Your thoughts are very, very real. But they're immaterial. In our culture, immaterial means it doesn't matter. Only matter matters because we're materialists, right? Things, stuff you can see. That's what matters. But actually... In the true picture, it's the immaterial that matters. We've got it upside down. Everybody awake? And so the word was immaterial. But it matters. The word was not yet material. But the word became matter. He left everything. I'm sorry. This is, honey, I don't do this every Sunday, do I? Tell them, my voice works. I don't cry all the time. Would you get, whatever you're doing, quit it. <laughs> Would you agree that when the word, the idea, the immaterial 
emptied himself of his position, his power, his riches, godness, creator, everything that he was when he emptied himself of all that and became flesh. It mattered. We treat him as if he's still the word. It immaterial. It doesn't work. It doesn't matter. Oh, but he does matter. See? So, I want to um, tie this to the significance today of us becoming indwelt by this immaterial spirit. How many are born? Uh, you don't need to raise your hands, but think. How many of you are truly, authentically born from above? You've repented of your own government. You've put your faith not in yourself, but in someone other than you. You've decided to trust Jesus. How many of you realize that the immaterial word became willing, desiring to become flesh again in you and through you? Is everybody aware of that? See, we are, <laughs> we are the gift of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in the son, but now change it around and understand it, for God so still so loves the world that he gives his sons and daughters, huh? He gives his sons and daughters to become flesh. He gives us as a gift to his world that he desperately loves so that whoever believes, not just in the original enfleshed one, but in the contemporary body of Christ, whoever sees Jesus in the material form, not the immaterial form, but the material form, whoever sees Jesus might come to believe in him. And it's like, that's how they come to believe. It's not so much by hearing, though I know faith comes by hearing, but it's by seeing first because we're materialists. We don't care what you say. We want to see it. Everybody agree? And so, this Christmas, I want to remind us that whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And you're thinking, impossible. And I want to say right up front so you don't just write me off. Remember, man looks on the outward right? But God sees the heart, intent, and so, so we may not be able to perform precisely as Jesus did, which we'll talk about this morning. We may not be able to be that mature to live it out moment by moment the way he did, but we can, now hear it, because God sees the heart, we can be absolutely and totally determined that by God's enabling, indwelling Holy Spirit, 
we are called to walk as Jesus walked, and therefore we set our wills, we make a holy resolve to say, I am called to walk as Jesus walked, therefore my will is set, that's normal Christianity, it's not American Christianity, it's biblical Christianity, my will is said that I'm not the leader, I'm the follower, I'm to be led by the Spirit, not make the Spirit follow me. Everybody awake? Normal Christianity is that when we repented and entered the family of God, we determined to quit relying on our own understanding and to follow Jesus. Not just believe he died on a cross for us, but to actually authentically believe that he lives in us still, that God lives not just then, but now in us and is determined and desiring to live through us, but he won't force his way through us. Seldom, if ever, will God force you to be good. <laughs> and if, just, it's just the truth. He doesn't operate that way, but he'll come and he'll dwell within you, and by his spirit, he will talk to you thousands of times a day. Wish I had time to prove that to you. It's true. Just take it by faith. <laughs> it's true. The Holy uh, I, I don't have time to talk about it. It's just true. God loves you so much. Is present with you to guide you, to teach you, to remind you, to convict you. He loves you so much, dwells in you as your helper. He does not, when you and I are ignorant, anybody here ignorant? How many of us have times when we don't see exactly as God sees? You're ignorant. And even deceived because you think you're sharp. Forgive me, you understand what I'm saying? So, God indwelling us by his spirit, knows, knows, dramatically knows every time what we're thinking and it's not what he's thinking. And he knows we act as a man thinks in his heart so easy and as we are, we act and do. And he knows, he knows that if we are ignorant, we will say things that are not representative of him, we'll do things that are not representative of him, and we're given, he's given us to the world that the world through us might come to believe him. And he, for our sake, to be sure, but for everyone around us' sake, he wants us to know the truth, and so he talks to us all the time. The Holy Spirit talks, reminds, guides, teaches, convicts. See, he talks to us all the time but he doesn't force the word to become flesh. He makes it possible, but not inevitable. We are to be the continuing revelation of God. We are the body of Christ. Everybody agree? How many still awake? Glad you came? <laughs> I wasn't sure. Okay. Someone said, tell your face. No, I was joking. No, no, you're doing great. I love being with you. I, I can't tell you, I, I'm having a hard time talking because of, I'm seeing you. Okay, this keeps moving ahead on me, I'm sorry, it's, it's a jumpy little guy. So let, let's try this, I'm going to, well, can you take it back one? I think I pounded on that enough. Did anybody get that? Did you get that? It is normal, biblical Christianity for us to walk or live the way Jesus lived. Thus we are God's gift to the world. 
and thus, by and large, we are not just the light, but the hope of the world. Are you buying? Okay, let's keep going. I'm going to just point to you, sir. Thank you. Sorry about this. <clears throat> so, how did Jesus walk? This is very important. If, if we're to walk as Jesus walked, if we're to be the continuing incarnation, is that language okay? The, continu- the word became flesh, became chili con carne. Have you ever heard of that? Anybody old enough to know about chili? That's, that's beans with meat, flesh, car- carne, meat, okay? Incarnation, all right? If we're to be the continuing incarnation, that means the word became flesh back then, and it's to continue to become flesh. The idea, the principle, the concept, the truth is to become lived out in material ways so that others can see the glory of a transformed life. Everybody clear? Okay. Then that's to be normal. That's, that's the norm. That's the goal. It's not something that it's okay for us to, to bring it down. But we've done that. And it's okay with us, and that's our problem. It's not okay. We're saved by grace. Doesn't sound like the way I'm talking about it. I mean, get a little zealous. We're saved by grace. Aren't you glad you're saved by grace? Say amen. You say amen here? Used to. Okay, all right. We're saved by grace, but called to be holy in everything we do. And there's, because we're so materialistic, we think that we think that, that means we're, we, ha, we get measured by our performance, by the materialism, by how we actually do it. When God sees the heart, he sees what's going on inside relationally. So what we need to understand is there needs to be a deep and holy resolve to actually walk as Jesus walked. Okay? Have I beat that to death enough? All right, let, let's now talk about it. How did Jesus walk? Is that clock right? That, I mean, it says 20 to 11. Is that about right? Okay, and we get out at 2? <laughs> oh, isn't that what you said, Dave? No, okay. No. So, how did Jesus walk? Let me forward him or else we'll mess up. But uh, let, me, let me just say this. He never walked horizontally. Do you know what that means? Let me show you. Good morning. He, he never walked horizontally means he never just lived back and forth. So someone said something to him. He's very sensitive, loved everyone, cared for everyone, looked in the eye, was very sensitive, and whatever they did or said affected him, went in, just like it does you, went in, but Jesus never did what we do, which is called push back. Jesus never reacted to what other people said. What other people said or did never governed Jesus. If it had, he would have been sinful because something ruled him other than his father. Clear? So Jesus never, ever pushed back. We, we call it now, we talk about pushing back. So the world lives horizontally. The world lives with each other as if God doesn't exist or doesn't matter. Right? I mean, there are many worldlings who have faith in Jesus. Well, the demons have faith in Jesus, too. They believe God exists. But he doesn't matter. So they don't have saving faith. See? But they believe. But he doesn't matter. So they just live life on the horizontal level. 
Jesus never lived horizontally. Fair enough to start with? Let, 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 me, let me talk about this a little bit in Jesus. How did he walk? Never horizontally, but he did stuff that most of us say, well, because he did that, I could never walk as Jesus did. For example, I asked the question once, how did Jesus walk? And any teenagers here, I'm not making fun, a teenager said, uh, on his legs. And I said, thank you, <laughs> that's helpful. But, but I, I'm not sure that's exactly what it means to walk as Jesus walked. And, but someone else said, well, he, he walked on water. And, and that is very true, isn't it? He did walk on water. And, and that person was actually saying something that's profoundly important that when Jesus was here, somehow, someway, he walked in power. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons, didn't he? Everybody clear? And that's why we say, I could never walk as Jesus walked. But let me say, I believe with all I have, you'll have to check it, you'll have to figure it out on your own theological perspective, I believe with all I have that Jesus walking on water, Jesus feeding the multitudes, Jesus raising the dead, Jesus healing the sick, all the power attributes of Jesus, the things Jesus did in power, I believe with all I have that that was fruit, not root. Any farmers here? You understand the difference between fruit and root? Once upon a time, I pastored a church, a, a rural church, where I had a bunch of farmers. It was in Missouri, just south of Kansas City. <clears throat> and, and they would take me out and show. They understood the difference between cherries hanging on a tree, fruit, and the root in the ground. And They understood there was a lot of work you had to do in the ground in order to have fruit on the tree. Everybody clear? So, my view... When you see Jesus walking in power, healing the sick, doing, when you see Jesus walking that way, you're seeing fruit, not root. I'm one of those weird ones. I'm born and raised Nazarene. <clears throat> Nazarenes think we can be holy. Well, it's a pretty good idea, actually, because Jesus said, just as I, just as Jesus, the one who called you is holy, so be holy in everything you do. That's pretty serious. 1 Peter 1.15. You know, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in everything you do. Everybody aware of that? Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> my Nazarene friends would say to me, well, well, Jesus was holy. That's how he walked. Everything he did was righteous. Everything he did was perfect morally. And that's true. But still, again, I believe with all I have that when you see Jesus on the cross, people stabbing him, people beating him, saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. When you see Jesus returning good for evil, serving all the time, always taking the lowest spot, when you see the holiness of Jesus, you're seeing fruit, not root. Fair enough? That's what I believe. And I'll tell you why. Let's go to the next one. <clears throat> How did Jesus walk? I touched on this on a Sunday night here. I don't know if any of you are here, but I felt like I was supposed to talk about it this morning. Jesus did nothing I could have and should have said there independently of the Father. Jesus did nothing apart from the Father. 
The son can do nothing by himself. Now, we got 2,000 years of books written about Jesus, right? <laughs> Warehouses full of books written about Jesus. I kind of think that if we're going to figure Jesus out, maybe it'd be good to listen to what he says about himself. Pretty good idea? Maybe Jesus kind of knew himself pretty well. So he said, the son can do nothing by himself. Doesn't mean that he couldn't take his hand in a bowl of rice and stick it in his mouth and feed him. No, it doesn't mean that. It means the son, and I'll show you this later, will not do anything on his own. The son will never treat the father as if the father doesn't exist or treat the father as if the father doesn't matter. The son will never act independently of the father. The son will always, always, always be in relationship with his father. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees, faith, revelation, faith. What he sees the father doing. The son can only do, or better said, the son will only allow himself to do what the father has given him to do. That's how Jesus walked. Typical, fallen Christianity. It's okay with us. It's okay for us to to. Certainly quit doing some real terrible sins and do a few good things, but most of our life we do what we think. We do what we want. We do our own thing. But that's not biblical truth. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We're to be led by the Spirit, not walk by the flesh. So this morning, I'm plowing something into you for you to think about and pray about. And let me say, you won't be able to make progress in this life that I'm talking to you about unless you have some comrades called your church that gathers together, yes, to listen to sermons, yes, to give praise, but absolutely of necessity to talk about what we're committed to, to talk about how we're doing, to report our progress, to pray for each other, to keep focused, because it's a very narrow way and it's a very high way, but is the biblical way. So, Jesus said, the son can do nothing. We, in America, are, we celebrate our independence, don't we? And that's just not nationally. We're free people. Well, when you became a Christian, a little Christ, you chose to depend on someone other than yourself. You chose to, be, to become dependent on Jesus. You were made to be dependent on him. You, you were made to... Be led not to lead. It'll kill you sooner or later if you lead. Sooner or later, it will. I promise, it will. So, how did Jesus walk? He didn't do anything unless he was aware that that's what his father wanted him to do. He was the best and most discipled person that ever lived because he followed his leader. He was a follower. Jesus was never, hear it now, you'll get frustrated with me, he was never a leader always and only a follower. I only do what my Father gives me to do. And that's how we're called to live. Let's go ahead. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Hard message today, good message. This message will save your life. It'll save your family. It'll save your church. It'll save your community. If, if we can get this, 
get clearly determined that we are weird. Everybody say, I'm weird. You are not by yourself. You are not alone. God dwells in you. You're not God, but he dwells in you. And he came to dwell in you to save you. And he'll talk to you and he'll guide you and he'll lighten you. But he won't force his way through you. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. It's a marriage. He, he, he sacrificed to get your attention. He came knocking to win your heart. You opened yourself when you got to know him. And he moved into your house, didn't he? He came to dwell in you, with you. He lives in, you and Jesus live together in this house, this material thing called your body. See? And we're called to follow Jesus. We, the, the agreement was that we would trust him. Right? Isn't that what you signed up for? To put your faith in Jesus? Well, if you run ahead and do your own thing, you're not trusting him. Who are you relying on? Your own understanding. Everybody clear? This sounds so weird. Because we're distanced from authentic, supernatural, led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, Christianity, as God intends. But if there's just a few in any congregation who get it, who believe that this is gospel, this is what will save us, and to help each other, you'd be shocked at what God would get done. He saves people. But just because he dwells in you, if you're not paying attention, you're not a rebel, you're not bad, you're just not understanding the meaning of having the word dwell in you in order to become flesh, which is intended to be normal. Everybody's mad at the politicians. That's not the problem. Everybody's, nobody's mad at God. Well, some are, but you know, most Christians wouldn't say, well, it's God's fault that things are in a mess. If it's not God messing up, and if it's not the non-Christians that we can... But you can't expect non-Christians to be, to be like Jesus. Forgive me. I carry in my coat pocket a card that Vicky sent me to remind me to pray for her. And I know through a variety of ways, that we do have all kinds of desperately godly, God-called politicians. I, I, I'm fully aware of that. But I'm hearing everyone blame, blame, blame the world. They're thinking of the world. But you can't expect pagans to live like Jesus, can you? They tell bad jokes and do mean things and cheat and lie and do everything wrong. Well, that's to be expected of people who are in the dark. And they think they're in the light. That's their darkness. They're deceived. So we can't, can't blame lost people for the condition. And we certainly don't blame God. How many think the problems in America are because God's messing up? Everybody agree it's God's fault? Well, he's God. He could, well, maybe he didn't intend to force people into righteousness. Maybe he intended to win us by love, through faith. 
So if it's not God and it's not the pagans, guess who's left? It's us. It's us. Not you. It's the Baptist down the street. Yeah. That's the loudest amen I had all day long. So, whoever claims to live in him is called. It's called. See, to, must means God sees your heart and he knows. He knows if you're absolutely determined to never do anything except what the Lord calls you to do. And you're saying, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. No, it's not. Don't have time to prove it. Every thought is either God's thought or your own. Every word is either God's thought or your own. Every act is either God's thought or act, word or your act. And we can be committed, we can be determined to have a relationship with Jesus where we actually follow him. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So when I'm leading, I'm living just like lost people do. Everybody say amen. amen. Do you understand it? When I'm leading, when I'm doing what I think and feel and want, I'm doing what lost people do. Now, to be sure, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we have the mind of Christ. He talks to us. We don't recognize it's God many times. Many times we say the words of God. We do the works of God. Don't even realize it. The fruit of the Spirit flows. But it's, it's just because God is talking to us, but we don't even realize it's Him. But I'm zealous for helping us to strengthen the most important thing in our lives as Christians, which is our relationship with God. He matters. Amen? Does Jesus live in your heart by faith? See? Does he listen to every one of your thoughts? Does he have an idea about your thoughts? How many of our thoughts are we to bring captive into obedience? Once a month? Once a day? How many thoughts? Huh? That's a lot of relationship. Is Jesus worth it? You are married to him. Did you know that? You are the bride. You're his body. He's the head. If the head is disconnected from the body, you know how the body functions? Not the way it's supposed to. Hope you're awake. I gotta hurry. I'm preaching way too much. I'm about done, I think. Okay. <laughs> so, Jesus didn't say anything apart from the Father. So, I do nothing on my own. Do you hear it? Same idea? Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own because I'm not alone. My Father's always with me. The words I say, they're not just my words, they're the words the Father gives me to say. Jesus said all this, you know. So I'm just telling you what Jesus said about himself. I do nothing on my own, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. Do you realize we're going to give an account for every idle word that means every thoughtless word, every word that we uttered without first being aware of, is this the word of God becoming flesh or flesh becoming flesh? I do nothing on my own, Jesus said, but I speak just what the Father has taught me. Either in the moment, or an hour earlier, or years early, it doesn't matter, and I'm not going to take time to go through that theologically. Do you hear it? It's all right. <clears throat> you got the idea Jesus didn't say anything. 
independently of his father. He had faith in his father. He only said what the father gave him to say because he trusted the father. Everybody aware? This is how Jesus lived his life. You were called to live by faith. You weren't called to live by sight. You weren't called to live independently. You were never made to live independently. You won't function well independently. It'll kill you sooner or later. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. I'm beating you to death today with an idea. The, the way Jesus lived is to be normal. And there needs to be a church, rise up, who is determined to walk as Jesus walked. Which means in relationship with him as he is in relationship with the Father. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Same idea. Everybody got it? Let's go ahead. Jesus didn't even make judgments on his own. You all made judgments. Today, coming here, I made judgments. I, I, I saw the car coming. I, saw the, I said, I, I think I can beat him. That was a judgment. I came to a conclusion based on the facts that were available to me. We do it all the time. We're taught to do it. We raise our kids to think and to make judgments. Jesus said, by myself, on my own, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. Jesus said, I bring all of my thoughts captive to my Father because my Father's with me. And I see things. I gather up information. I see it. It affects me. I feel it. It makes me want to do things. But I don't act independently, my Father. I don't walk by the flesh. I walk by the Spirit. This is Luke 4, chapter 1 through 12. Just says it. I mean, verses 1 through 12. Just says it over and over. I only do what the Father Tells me to do, and I don't even make, come to conclude. I don't get an attitude about Peter or Judas independently. I come to my judgments based on what my Father gives me because he sees everything. I, and we'll, I, I don't have time to talk about Jesus emptying himself, the extent of his emptying. He becoming like us in every way and tempted in all ways as we are. It all ties together. Jesus said, I don't look at people, listen to them, and come to a conclusion about them without saying, Father, what is your perspective? Thus, when he said things and did things, it came out of the perspective of his Father toward the people. Jesus acted like he was irritated a couple times. Did you ever notice? He was but he didn't let it govern him. So I got to hurry. Whoever claims to... I'm going to talk about that just for a second. It's a whole seminar. I wouldn't care about you if I didn't tell you this much of my story. I could have been such a better husband and better father, far better pastor if I would have realized, I was disciplined, so I was careful about what I said, but I didn't realize that when I saw someone and I judged them to be playing games, to not being authentic, when I judged them to being careless, when I came to a conclusion about them without finding God's judgment, it affected my thoughts, my attitudes, my emotions, my expressions. And I was, some of the time, 
good to them, but they knew something was wrong. They didn't feel the kindness, the goodness, the grace, the wisdom of God in my non-verbal communication. And it was desperately hard, hindered the kingdom of God. I could go on and on and on. Every thought you have matters. You were never made to think thoughts independently of God. You were made. Your brain physically, physically works when you think with God instead of independently with Him. I will just say it's scientifically proven. Your brain reproduces positive uh, mental ability when you think with God and it is actually detrimental to your brain when you think independently of God. You were made to be dependent on God. I don't have time to prove that to you. It's just true. And, and that's, just, that's just secondary. That's just so your life can be better. I'm not after your life being better, really. I'm after you having a better relationship with Jesus. Okay? Whoever claims to live. So, let, since we got that word up there quicker than I want, it's okay. Sorry, he's guessing. Thanks, man. Let, let, me, let me give you a reason to come to it. You don't want to come to church unless you learn something brand new, right? So I'm going to give you a new word today. Help me make it famous. Verizontally. It's a good word. Um, have you figured it out yet? It, it looks like this. This is how Jesus lived. He didn't live horizontally. Fair enough. Do you all agree with that? He didn't ever... People said things. He heard it. He felt it. People did things. It affected him. But he didn't ever push back like lost people do who, who, just, who, who don't believe in God or believe that God doesn't really matter that much to affect their lives. Jesus always lived horizontally, which means... He looked at people, he felt, but he never pushed back until he quickly, or maybe not so quickly, pushed up. He went vertical in order to give back the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. He went vertical to give back what God gave him, the words, the acts, what God gave him to give to others. He lived vertizontally. Everybody say it. Vertizontally. Oh, you're all brilliant now. Let's make it famous. We'll make it famous by our lives. This is how Jesus lived. He lived vertizontally. He, he lived, he saw people, but he... He actually acted as if he thought his father was there. He actually acted as if he thought his father was with him. And he, his father was just as important, in fact, probably a little more important than the people because he wouldn't let the people rule him. He wanted the father to rule him. Everybody, so Jesus was always aware of the people, but he was aware of his father there at the same He walked by faith. He was dependent on the father. How many are Christians because you walk by faith? Isn't that what it means to be a Christian? To walk by faith. In who? Well, who's your faith in if you do what you think? If you judge as you judge, who's your faith in? Everybody clear? Everybody happy? <laughs> we need a revival. Is that okay? Yeah. The Baptists, not you guys. <laughs> I didn't get an amen that time. Okay, let's say, we need a revival. 
of reality of what we proclaim, what we declare, what we say is biblical and we preach it. We think because we preached it, we got it done. No, we're not to be hearers, we're to be doers. So, Jesus lived vertizontally. Come to me, learn of me, follow me. What it means to be a Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus. That's who we baptize. As you're going, make disciples, baptizing who? Them, disciples. We're disciples of Jesus. So we watch Jesus, we learn from him, and then we say what he gives us to say. We do what he gives us to do. We walk in relationship. We're led by the Spirit, not walking by the flesh. Amen? Amen. That's what we're called to. And if there are people who are saying, yes, I'm called to, and just because it's really hard and really different and really weird, I'm not going to lower the standard. I'm going to keep after it. I need some buddies that will help me because I'm really weak. I need lots of help. Can I come to church and have some buddies who will help me walk with Jesus and walk as Jesus walked? That's why we come to church, to help each other follow Jesus, right? Or, or is it to see the beautiful building? No, I didn't say that. Okay. Let's go on. So the Christmas glory... that the word became flesh and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth in that order we love that don't we I love it I can hardly say it without weeping means Jesus might hear means everything to me that not just one time not just in one act of the will before he even was Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. But once he was born, and that, that's a whole other story, but Jesus, moment by moment by moment, the Word kept becoming flesh. Jesus was tempted to have the flesh become flesh because he was tempted in all ways that you and I are. But he wouldn't. Instead, Father, what do you think? What do you want? And then he lived it out, and I love him <laughs> because he wouldn't give into his flesh. He would only walk as the Father gave him to walk. Everybody clear? So let's finish up. The word is to continue to become flesh. We're to be the living Christ. Our words are to be his words. Our works to be his works we get from him. And what he calls, he empowers. If he calls us, he'll help us. Now I'm going to give you a little I'm scheduled to come back. Maybe the elders will meet and change their mind. But <laughs> um, you probably will not very, get very good at pushing up and giving back, pushing up and giving back, unless you learn to go to the right kind of gym. There's a gym where you do push-ups. Push-ups. Does it look different than push-ups? The real push-ups. These are the push-ups that matter. Or you look up all by yourself. It's in the gym. It's early morning, late at night. You go there, and there's no other task except to push up. Oh, Lord, I praise you. I thank you. What are you saying? What do you want? What do you think? Push-up. If you get real good muscle in the quiet place, then in the public place, you can push up. You can be aware. My Father's with me. I'm not alone. Spirit is with me to lead me. I'm not to lead. I'm to follow. But that's another day. Amen? Could you commit this morning? 
as your gift to Jesus and your family and your church and your neighbors who desperately need to see Jesus because they're materialists. Could you this morning commit again maybe to walking as Jesus walked? Yeah, I know it's hard. Jesus said it was a narrow way, but it's the only way that works. Could we again re-sign up, sign up for the first time? Let's be still for a moment. Push up.